Section 15. The Fair Maid of Perth, or St. Valentine's Day. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Fair Maid of Perth, or St. Valentine's Day, by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter 13. Part 1. How in the noon of night that pibroch thrills, Savage and shrill, but with the breath which fills, Their mountain pipe so fill the mountaineers, With the fierce native daring which instills The stirring memory of a thousand years. Byron We must now leave the lower parties in our historical drama, to attend to the incidents which took place among those of a higher rank and greater importance. We pass from the hut of an armorer to the council-room of a monarch, and resume our story just when, the tumult beneath being settled, the angry chieftains were summoned to the royal presence. They entered, displeased with and lowering upon each other, each so exclusively filled with his own fancied injuries as to be equally unwilling and unable to attend to reason or argument albany alone calm and crafty seemed prepared to use their dissatisfaction for his own purposes and turn each incident as it should occur to the furtherance of his own indirect ends the king's irresolution, although it amounted even to timidity, did not prevent his assuming the exterior bearing becoming his situation. It was only when hard-pressed, as in the preceding scene, that he lost his apparent composure. In general he might be driven from his purpose, but seldom from his dignity of manner. He received Albany, Douglas, March, and the prior, those ill-assorted members of his motley council, with a mixture of courtesy and loftiness, which reminded each haughty peer that he stood in the presence of his sovereign, and compelled him to do the beseeming reverence. Having received their salutations, the king motioned them to be seated, and they were obeying his commands when Rothsay entered. He walked gracefully up to his father, and kneeling at his footstool requested his blessing robert with an aspect in which fondness and sorrow were ill-disguised made an attempt to assume a look of reproof as he laid his hand on the youth's head and said with a sigh god bless thee my thoughtless boy and make thee a wiser man in thy future years amen my dearest father said rothsay in a tone of feeling such as his happier moments often evinced he then kissed the royal hand with the reverence of a son and a subject and instead of taking a place at the council board remained standing behind the king's chair in such a position that he might when he chose whisper into his father's ear the king next made a sign to the prior of St. Dominic to take his place at the table, on which there were writing materials, which, of all the subjects present, Albany accepted, the churchman was alone able to use. The king then opened the purpose of their meeting by saying, with much dignity, 
our business my lords respected these unhappy dissensions in the highlands which we learn by our latest messengers are about to occasion the waste and destruction of the country even within a few miles of this our own court but near as this trouble is our ill fate and the instigations of wicked men have raised up one yet nearer by throwing strife and contention among the citizens of perth and those attendants who follow your lordships and others our knights and nobles i must first therefore apply to yourselves my lords to know why our court is disturbed by such unseemly contendings and by what means they ought to be repressed brother of albany do you tell us first your sentiments on this matter sir our royal sovereign and brother said the duke being in attendance on your grace's person when the fray began i am not acquainted with its origin and for me said the prince i heard no worse war-cry than a minstrel wench's ballad and saw no more dangerous bolts flying than hazelnuts and i said the earl of march could only perceive that the stout citizens of perth had in chase some knaves who had assumed the bloody heart on their shoulders they ran too fast to be actually the men of the earl of douglas douglas understood the sneer but only replied to it by one of those withering looks with which he was accustomed to intimate his mortal resentment he spoke however with haughty composure my liege he said must of course know it is douglas who must answer to this heavy charge for when was there strife or bloodshed in scotland but there were foul tongues to asperse a douglas or a douglas's man as having given cause to them we have here goodly witnesses i speak not of my lord of albany who has only said that he was as well becomes him by your grace's side and i say nothing of my lord of rothsay who as befits his rank years and understanding was cracking nuts with a strolling musician he smiles here he may say his pleasure i shall not forget a tie which he seems to have forgotten but here is my lord of march who saw my followers flying before the clowns of perth i can tell that earl that the followers of the bloody heart advance or retreat when their chieftain commands and the good of scotland requires and i can answer exclaimed the equally proud earl of march his blood rushing into his face when the king interrupted him peace angry lords said the king and remember in whose presence you stand and you my lord of douglas tell us if you can the cause of this mutiny and why your followers whose general good services we are most willing to acknowledge were thus active in private brawl i obey my lord said douglas slightly stooping a head that seldom bent i was passing from my lodgings in the carthusian convent through the high street of perth with a few of my ordinary retinue when i beheld some of the baser sort of citizens crowding around the cross against which there was nailed this placard and that which accompanies it he took from his pocket in the bosom of his buff coat a human hand and a piece of parchment the king was shocked and agitated read he said good father prior and let that ghastly spectacle be removed the prior read a placard to the following purpose 
inasmuch as the house of a citizen of perth was assaulted last night being st valentine's eve by a sort of disorderly night-walkers belonging to some company of the strangers now resident in the fair city and whereas this hand was struck from one of the lawless limmers in the fray that ensued the provost and magistrates have directed that it should be nailed to the cross in scorn and contempt of those by whom such brawl was occasioned and if any one of knightly degree shall say that this our act is wrongfully done i patrick charteris of kinfons knight will justify this cartel in knightly weapons within the barace or if any one of meaner birth shall deny what is here said he shall be met with by a citizen of the fair city of perth according to his degree and so god and st john protect the fair city you will not wonder my lord resumed douglas that when my almoner had read to me the contents of so insolent a scroll i caused one of my squires to pluck down a trophy so disgraceful to the chivalry and nobility of scotland whereupon it seems some of these saucy burghers took license to hoot and insult the hindmost of my train who wheeled their horses on them and would soon have settled the feud but for my positive command that they should follow me in as much peace as the rascally vulgar would permit and thus they arrived here in the guise of flying men when with my command to repel force by force they might have set fire to the four corners of this wretched burrow and stifled the insolent churls like malicious fox cubs in a burning brake of furs there was a silence when douglas had done speaking until the duke of rothsay answered addressing his father since the earl of douglas possesses the power of burning the town where your grace holds your court so soon as the provost and he differ about a night riot or the terms of a cartel i am sure we ought all to be thankful that he has not the will to do so the duke of rothsay said douglas who seemed resolved to maintain command of his temper may have reason to thank heaven in a more serious tone than he now uses that the douglas is as true as he is powerful this is a time when the subjects in all countries rise against the law we have heard of the insurgents of the jacquerie in france and of jack straw and hob miller and parson ball among the southron and we may be sure there is fuel enough to catch such a flame were it spreading to our frontiers when i see peasants challenging noblemen and nailing the hands of the gentry to their city cross i will not say i fear mutiny for that would be false but i foresee and will stand well prepared for it and why does my lord douglas say answered the earl of march that this cartel has been done by charles i see sir patrick charteris's name there and he i ween is of no charles blood the douglas himself since he takes the matter so warmly might lift st patrick's gauntlet without soiling of his honour my lord of march replied douglas should speak but of what he understands i do no injustice to the descendant of the red rover when i say he is too slight to be weighed with the douglas the heir of thomas randolph might have a better claim to his answer and by my honour it shall not miss for want of my asking the grace said the earl of march pulling his glove off 
stay my lord said the king do us not so gross an injury as to bring your feud to mortal defiance here but rather offer your ungloved hand in kindness to the noble earl and embrace in token of your mutual fealty to the crown of scotland not so my liege answered march your majesty may command me to return my gauntlet for that and all the armour it belongs to are at your command while i continue to hold my earldom of the crown of scotland but when i clasp douglas it must be with a mailed hand farewell my liege my counsels here avail not nay are so unfavourably received that perhaps farther stay were unwholesome for my safety may god keep your highness from open enemies and treacherous friends i am for my castle of dunbar from whence i think you will soon hear news farewell to you my lords of albany and douglas you are playing a high game look you play it fairly farewell poor thoughtless prince who art sporting like a fawn within spring of a tiger farewell all george of dunbar sees the evil he cannot remedy adieu all the king would have spoken but the accents died on his tongue as he received from albany a look cautioning him to forbear the earl of march left the apartment receiving the mute salutations of the members of the council whom he had severally addressed excepting from douglas alone who returned to his farewell speech a glance of contemptuous defiance the recreant goes to betray us to the southron he said his pride rests on his possessing that sea-worn hold which can admit the english into lothian the castle of dunbar nay look not alarmed my liege i will hold good what i say nevertheless it is yet time speak but the word my liege say but arrest him and march shall not yet cross the urn on his traitorous journey nay gallant earl said albany who wished rather that the two powerful lords should counterbalance each other than that one should obtain a decisive superiority that were too hasty counsel the earl of march came hither on the king's warrant of safe conduct and it may not consist with my royal brother's honour to break it yet if your lordship can bring any detailed proof here they were interrupted by a flourish of trumpets his grace of albany is unwontedly scrupulous to-day said douglas but it skills not wasting words the time is past these are march's trumpets and i warrant me he rides at flight speed so soon as he passes the south port we shall hear of him in time and if it be as i have conjectured he shall be met with though all england backed his treachery nay let us hope better of the noble earl said the king no way displeased that the quarrel betwixt march and douglas had seemed to obliterate the traces of the disagreement betwixt rothsay and his father-in-law he hath a fiery but not a sullen temper in some things he has been i will not say wronged but disappointed and something is to be allowed to the resentment of high blood armed with great power but thank heaven all of us who remain are of one sentiment and i may say of one house so that at least our counsels cannot now be thwarted with disunion father prior i pray you take your writing materials for you must as usual be our clerk of counsel 
and now to business my lords and our first object of consideration must be this highland cumber between the clan chatton and the clan quehelis said the prior which as our last advices from our brethren at dunkeld inform us is ready to break out into a more formidable warfare than has yet taken place between these sons of belial who speak of nothing else than of utterly destroying one another their forces are assembling on each side and not a man claiming in the tenth degree of kindred but must repair to the braddock of his tribe or stand to the punishment of fire and sword the fiery cross hath flitted about like a meteor in every direction and awakened strange and unknown tribes beyond the distant moray firth may heaven and saint dominic be our protection but if your lordships cannot find remedy for evil it will spread broad and wide and the patrimony of the church must in every direction be exposed to the fury of these amalekites with whom there is as little devotion to heaven as there is pity or love to their neighbour may our lady be our guard we hear some of them are yet utter heathens and worship mahound and termagant my lords and kinsmen said robert ye have heard the urgency of this case and may desire to know my sentiments before you deliver what your own wisdom shall suggest and in sooth no better remedy occurs to me than to send two commissioners with full power from us to settle such debates as be among them and at the same time to charge them as they shall be answerable to the law to lay down their arms and forbear all practices of violence against each other i approve of your grace's proposal said rothsay and i trust the good prior will not refuse the venerable station of envoy upon this peacekeeping errand and his reverend brother the abbot of the carthusian convent must contend for an honour which will certainly add two most eminent recruits to the large army of martyrs since the highlanders little regard the distinction betwixt clerk and layman in the ambassadors whom you send to them my royal lord of rothsay said the prior if i am destined to the blessed crown of martyrdom i shall be doubtless directed to the path by which i am to attain it meantime if you speak in jest may heaven pardon you and give you light to perceive that it were better buckle on your arms to guard the possessions of the church so perilously endangered than to employ your wit in taunting her ministers and servants i taunt no one father prior said the youth yawning nor have i much objection to taking arms excepting that they are a somewhat cumbrous garb and in february a furred mantle is more suiting to the weather than a steel corslet and it irks me the more to put on cold harness in this nipping weather that would but the church send a detachment of their saints and they have some highland ones well known in this district and doubtless used to the climate they might fight their own battles like merry st george of england but i know not how it is we hear of their miracles when they are propitiated and of their vengeance if any one trespasses on their patrimonies and these are urged as reasons for extending their lands by large largesses and yet if there come down but a band of twenty highlanders 
bell book and candle make no speed and the belted baron must be fain to maintain the church in possession of the lands which he has given to her as much as if he himself still enjoyed the fruits of them son david said the king you give an undue license to your tongue nay sir i am mute replied the prince i had no purpose to disturb your highness or displease the father prior who with so many miracles at his disposal will not face as it seems a handful of highland caterans we know said the prior with suppressed indignation from what source these vile doctrines are derived which we hear with horror from the tongue that now utters them when princes converse with heretics their minds and manners are alike corrupted they show themselves in the streets as the companions of maskers and harlots and in the council as the scorners of the church and of holy things peace good father said the king rothsay shall make amends for what he has idly spoken alas let us take counsel in friendly fashion rather than resemble a mutinous crew of mariners in a sinking vessel when each is more intent on quarrelling with his neighbours than in assisting the exertions of the forlorn master for the safety of the ship my lord of douglas your house has been seldom to lack when the crown of scotland desired either wise counsel or manly achievement i trust you will help us in this strait i can only wonder that the strait should exist my lord answered the haughty douglas when i was entrusted with the lieutenancy of the kingdom there were some of these wild clans came down from the grampians i troubled not the council about the matter but made the sheriff lord ruthven get to horse with the forces of the cars the hayes the lindsays the ogilvies and other gentlemen by saint bride when it was steel coat to freeze mantle the thieves knew what lances were good for and whether swords had edges or no there were some three hundred of their best bonnets besides that of their chief donald cormac left on the moor of thorn and in rockenroy wood and as many were gibbeted at howman stairs which has still the name from the hangman work that was done there this is the way men deal with thieves in my country and if gentler methods will succeed better with these irish knaves do not blame douglas for speaking his mind you smile my lord of rothsay may i ask how i have a second time become your jest before i have replied to the first which you passed on me nay be not wrathful my good lord of douglas answered the prince i did but smile to think how your princely retinue would dwindle if every thief were dealt with as the poor highlanders at howman stairs end of section fifteen